Good morning. Welcome to Cranbrook Church. Uh, it's wonderful to be here as always, but it's particularly wonderful this morning on this sunny Devonshire... Oh, actually it is. Sunny on cue. Sunny Devonshire morning. I'm James Greer. Uh, I'm helping with uh, supporting the church at the moment. I was reading this uh, last night. I should read you a little bit from this book. Why didn't anyone prepare us for having babies? One parent devised some simple tests to see if expectant parents are ready. Here are a few of them. To prepare for pregnancy, women put on a dressing gown and stick a beanbag down the front. Leave it there. After nine months, take out 10% of the beans. Men, go to the local chemist, tip the contents of your wallet onto the counter and tell the pharmacist to help themselves. Then go to the supermarket, arrange to have your salary paid direct to their head office, go home, pick up the newspaper and read it for the last time. Dealing with mess. To find out if you can deal with the mess small children make, smear peanut butter onto the sofa and jam onto the curtains. Hide a fish finger behind the stereo and leave it there all summer. Stick your fingers in the flower beds and rub them on the clean walls. Cover the stains with crayon. How does that look? Feeding children. To test your ability to carry out feeding a 12-month-old baby, hollow out a melon. Make a small hole in the side and then suspend the melon from the ceiling and swing it from side to side. Now get a bowl of soggy cornflakes and attempt to spoon them into the swaying melon while pretending to be an aeroplane. <laughs> Continue until half the cornflakes are gone, then tip the rest into your lap, making sure that most of it falls on the floor. Getting children dressed. To test your ability to dress small children, buy a live octopus and a string bag. Attempt to put octopus into string bag so that no arms hang out. Time allowed, five minutes going out in the car. Make a recording of someone shouting, Mommy! or Daddy, repeatedly. Important note, there must be no more than a four-second delay between each Mommy! Daddy! Include occasional crescendo to the level of a supersonic jet. Play this tape in your car everywhere you go for the next four years. You're now ready to drive with a toddler. Cars. Forget the BMW. Buy a practical five-door wagon. Buy a chocolate ice cream cone and put it in the glove compartment. Leave it there. Get a coin. Insert it in the CD player. Take a box of chocolate biscuits. Mash them into the back seat. Run a garden rake along both sides of the car. And finally, grocery shopping. Go to the local supermarket. Take with you the nearest thing you can find to a preschool child. A fully grown goat is excellent. If you intend to have more than one child, take more than one goat. Buy your weekly groceries without letting the goat out of your sight. Pay for everything the goat eats or destroys until you can easily accomplish this. Do not contemplate having one child, let alone three. When someone gets married, they promise that they will be there for the other person, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, for better, for worse. And let's face it, we're always assuming the upgrade option, not the upgrade of the spouse, that it's going to be richer, it's going to be better, there's not going to be sickness. And yet the reality is that all of us in life go through highs and lows. All of us have challenges. 
It was fairly obvious at the wedding day. Because at your wedding, you've both put more effort in than you'll ever put ever again into how you look. Apart from possibly James this morning. When we have children, we also dream of their future. What we want for them. What we want in terms of their job, you know. Sainsbury's recruitment probably starts quite young, but not until point. Of what we want in terms of of the aspirations, of what will make them happy. We assume that the things that make happiness are a good education, a good job, loads of money. But actually, I don't think that's true. I think we've seen in our children, and loads of people would say, that, that when you're thinking of sending your children to school, what matters far more than the school, probably, is the peer group. It's who's going to be their mates. Who's going to be the people that that bring out the best or the not so good out of them. The people that will stick with them no matter what. The people that will build them up rather than pull them down. And baptism is making a choice at the beginning of a life of saying for our precious child, we want them to grow up not just with the supports of their mates, and the support of family and friends, but we want them to know God. Not just know about God, but actually know God through their lives as they grow in emotional, physical, spiritual maturity, that they grow in their faith. At the moment, we're um, working through as a church, probably most people in the room don't know this, even those that come every week, we're working through uh, the book of Acts. It's, It's a book about the early church. Jesus died, he rose again, he returned to heaven, And it's the kind of story of the church setting out in that moment. And the reading we just had is one of my favorite passages. It's the story of Peter and John going to the temple to pray. They did it every day. Every day they probably went one of a few routes. The beautiful gate we heard mentioned was probably one of the regulars. Every day they went there. And every day at the same time, a man who was born lame was laid in front of that gate to beg. There was no welfare state, there was no support. Literally all he had to live on was the money he could scrounge by sitting there by that gate. He called out for money every day. He probably wasn't the only one. It was a popular place to be. And Peter and John had probably passed by and never noticed him before. But the passage says that Peter looked straight at him, as did John. It's almost like for the first time ever, they go, oh, hello, didn't notice you before. Now, I wonder why. It's not, maybe it was something of God stirring in them, a a noticing of, hey, this guy needs something. It's not that God noticed the man for the first time that day, because God had been there, not just seeing him, but God had been with that man. God is with us in the highs and lows, the challenges, the celebrations of life. But it's at that moment, I wonder whether just Peter and John at the same moment were stirred, something in them went, hey, that man's asking for money. And they said, look at us. Now someone begging for money, when someone says, look at me, and draws their attention, it's like, Money's coming, or at least a cup of tea. And then the crushing disappointment where Peter goes, silver and gold, I've got none, mate. A bit like most of us walking through the street when we're asked for change and we go, I only carry a phone now. But what happens is they say, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And for that man who was lame, money would have helped him for the day. It would have got him some food, but he'd have been right back there the next day. So what Peter says is, you don't need money, you need healing. You don't want to come back every day. The God we believe in, the God we're here on behalf of, can heal you. Now he needed healing because there was no medical provision in those days. He needed healing because otherwise there was no hope for him. Now today, God can use the genius of our medical professionals to help us. But even today, God still miraculously heals people. Not everyone, because it's a miracle. But we as Christians pray and believe that God can intervene. I've got a friend of mine who leads a church in Birmingham who's coming down to teach some curates on Tuesday. Uh, He's not coming down, actually. He's coming on Zoom. It's the same thing these days. You could have all come on Zoom. Um, And he, just in his church the other day, was saying, I don't know whether I believe God heals. And then he was in a meeting, and a lady who's losing sight in her eyes just suddenly found that she was healed as she was prayed for. We pray for miracles. They don't always happen, but they do at times. And in that moment, that man, his feet and his ankles become strong. He jumps up and begins walking and leaping and praising God. No longer is he stuck in that same place by the beautiful gate. It's interesting. He was by the beautiful gate. What an irony. His life was messed up and broken, and he was in the most beautiful place. And I wonder whether that's true for some of us. Maybe at different times, all of us. We can be in beautiful surroundings, the glorious sunshine of Cranbrook, the most beautiful family, the most wonderful place, and yet some of us feel like we can't walk. We can't get out of the place we're in. Not physically, but maybe emotionally. We carry with us the pain of loss, the fear of the future. We carry the shame of things that have happened in the past. We carry unforgiveness, whether ours for others or others for us. We carry disappointment. Maybe some of us just have a deep sense that in the busyness of the world, the beautifulness of other people's lives, I don't matter. Nobody really cares about me. And God can bring healing to us. God can transform our lives. And that is why Hugh is coming for baptism. Because we know his life will have highs and lows. We know he'll have moments when he doubts himself. We'll have moments of fear and of shame. He'll have moments when he's done stuff that needs forgiving. But we pray that he will know God in the midst of it. And God will set him free that he can walk and leap and praise God inside and out. But also that's my prayer for each one of us. Our passage ends with this. While the man held on to Peter and to John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if it's by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? Peter and John were just followers of Jesus, just as many of us in this room are today. We too can be like Peter and John. We can stop and notice people. We can stop and offer people hopefully practical support, but also prayer. We can be with them and help them discover God's healing transformation. 
whether life is richer or poorer, in sickness or in health, better or worse, we know that God is with us and can bring transformation. Let's take a moment to be quiet, just to reflect on this passage and what I've said. Lord, I pray for each one of us, whether we feel we're in a beautiful place, but life's not beautiful. Whether we carry with us the struggles and fears of our own lives or for those we care about. Whether we feel trapped and stuck like that man just left there. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And you are a God who heals and transforms. And we invite you into our pain. We invite you into our stuckness. But also, Lord, we ask that we would be people who notice others and who pray for them to meet you and to know your healing power. Amen. Amen.